Hello. Welcome to True Hoop with me, Gerard Hector, and Coach David Thorpe. How are you, sir? I'm fantastic. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. This is busy time of the year for you. Uh, the draft just concluded last week. As everybody knows, free agency officially begins uh, tomorrow on, on Friday, even though we know. Let's be honest, folks. If you listen to this show long enough and you know enough about basketball, moves and deals are already happening right now as we speak. It have been happening for months on end. We're just waiting for certain dates to, to take I, off. I had a player tell me yesterday that uh, a team trying to sign him needs an answer by today. <laughs> right. <laughs> called me like, dude, should we do it? I've got the other teams waiting, and I, I told him to wait. But yeah, they want he wants to know to, they want to know today. Yeah. Um, no, and it's it's a you know it's an interesting time for everybody, and we're gonna talk about free agency in a different way. Obviously, um, we'll talk about some team specifics, but more so into what David's wheelhouse is, which is player development. And as you've said multiple times, and I agree with, for just about ninety nine percent of players in coming into the NBA. Where they are determines how good they're going to be, right? What kind of system is there, what their development is like, all the culture, all that stuff matters. Then you get your LeBrons and whoever, who it doesn't matter where they go. They're going to be great regardless, but those are few and far between, right? Everyone else, you've got to go to the right situation, which is why, you know, sometimes for some people, free agency, this is where we're moving. This is what we're doing. You wrote a piece. Came out this week about the young cores in the league coming off the draft and who we're excited about. And I, I loved how you prefaced it when you said things can change so fast in this league. Just just ask Memphis and New Orleans how they, <laughs> right? I mean, a year ago we were like, well, Grizzlies best yet, right? By far. And it wasn't close. Now it's like, well. And they're not even like, it's not even just injuries. Think right. of the things Zion's gone through, not right. counting his injury. And then right. Jaws injuries are fine, but that's not the problem. Right, right. Shit, shit right. can change fast. It's hard to forecast the weather. It's harder to forecast human beings mm-hmm. and franchises and how they're and how they're going to behave yeah. and all, all that sort of thing. So you ranked the San Antonio Spurs first, and obviously it's because Wemby's a big part of that. Yeah. Um, you know, you said at his age he's the best prospect at nineteen you've seen since LeBron, right? Or no, you said you take him over LeBron. Best prospect you've seen at nineteen. I think he's the best prospect I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, doesn't mean he's going to be better no, than LeBron I, or I Mike would not, or any of those people. I would not predict that he would be better than LeBron or Jordan. They're the two best of all time. <laughs> he has the potential to have that kind of impact or more. There's a lot to be figured out. But long, I mean, he's so far away from us saying he's better than those guys. Yeah. He's just a better prospect. Yeah. And he isn't the only reason, though, you like the San Antonio Spurs. They've got a lot of young talent we talked about. Jeremy Shohan, Devin Vassell, Kelton Johnson, Trey Jones. Uh, Blake Wesley, Dominic Barlow, and Malachi Branham. The, the, a bunch of good guys. And, and it's placed into the new CBA. They've got cap space. If, you, if you're paying attention to the tea leaves, if you're an agent, you're mentioning the Houston Rock and San Antonio, just putting that out there because they got a ton of uh, cap space. So cause the team you really want your guy to go to to have to pay more to avoid them going to that team. But all that being said, the future's bright in San Antonio. From a development standpoint, Let's go. Let's go there first. What? Again, you, you, we talked about this on Monday. You can't give him the whole house. A shoe. We talked about Victor. Moving that aside, a guy like Jeremy Sohan, right? Who had a year already playing. What's the next level for him to help to be that player next to Victor to for the Spurs to you know move up one level, one rung up into the Western Conference? All right. Yes. Yeah, so I want to circle back to get to lead into this to something you said about. Um, how it's hard to predict players and how they're going to react to things. 
a, a year ago, Jordan Poole was a champion. Correct. And had a positive inf- impact on the, ga- the games. When they was on the court, they were better. Mm-hmm. I believe this year they were worse. And from Correct. people I've talked to connected to the team, um, his, he, he, d- he did not deserve to get punched in the face. That being said, he deserved everything he got this year, separate from being punched in the face, that he let the success get to his head. Mm-hmm. Very normal. We say this, sure. I said, you normally say this all the time. Human beings, we tend to relax after a success. We also tend to be prone to feeling arrogant. I know in my early 20s, when I started crushing people on the court, it definitely went to my head as a coach. Not, not as a man. I, I didn't feel any differently about myself as a person. As a coach, I did. I felt I was feeling myself too much. I'm embarrassed about it. Uh, I was a jerk. I treated people that I thought were bad coaches worse than they deserved if they were good human beings. I should have, that should have mattered more to me. I was 20-something years old. I was just dumb as fuck. And uh, <laughs> so, are, so are human beings in general. So uh, handling success is a challenge, just like handling failure, right? Uh, so now let's get to the Spurs. And we talked about uh, Jeremy in particular, but I'll, I'll be more general. The way, the way I like to do it with almost every player is focus on things that can absolutely be handled successfully with effort, study, focus, uh, attention to detail. So what does that mean? Uh, know your assignments, really know your assignments. Uh, get to them to where you're supposed to be with urgency, which means play with urgency. Right away, by the way, that's not how most people are thinking. (laughs) They're thinking about the step back three off 18 Mm -hmm. dribbles or whatever. (laughs) I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. That's just not how I do it. I want to, I, that's hard to do. It's not hard to pay attention to detail. So what does that mean? Hold your screen, get wide on your screens. Don't lean into it and get the foul. That pisses me off. Don't rush into a crowd. Play away from the crowd. Use shot fakes. I had a player this year, young guy, who just kept getting his shot blocked. And I get so frustrated. On the other end, he was getting better at not jumping like a puppy dog for fakes. But the game was still too fast for him. He's used to just jumping and laying it up because he's a tall guy, but not against these guys. You've got to fake, fake, fake. I told him, wake up and think fake. Take a nap, wake up, think fake. Go to sleep, (laughs) dreaming of fakes. Like, Slow down. So these are all things we can control. I haven't mentioned once making a three, right? Play athletically, no matter what kind of athlete you are, play athletically. Stop laying the ball up over the rim. That shit's going to get blocked. Dunk it or use the board at an angle where they can't get to it. These are easily controlled things. Use fake passes. This is an important Mm -hmm. thing. Don't run the floor, race the floor. Stop jogging. These are things we can control. It takes a while to get this, right? Don't go for fakes. Know if we're going over a screen or under screen guarding certain guys. Here's a big one. I, I may have said this on the show once before. Don't block out with your arms wrapped around your guy, which is something a lot of thin, mm. weak guys do. They feel like they can't just use their bodies to prevent the other guy from coming. You'll see it in summer league. So they wrap their guy up. That may, that may work to keep the bad guy from getting the offensive rebound, but you're not going to rebound unless you're a seal. Catching it on your nose, that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So we've got to get active hands. Early high-hand contest, not low hands all the time. It's one of the few things I think Mark Jackson gets right all the time about those hands. It's, he's exactly right. 
Got to get your hands man up. down, man down. Yeah, he's right. He's right. Uh, so these are things that if you focus on them from day one uh, and you know, be strong with the ball, I could go on for a long time to write. Oh, no. Be strong with the ball. Hide the ball. Protect the ball. Here's the, the bad guys on your left. You're going for right-hand layup. Most players will swing the ball back to the left, right to their hip or right to their left of their chest, right to where the defense is. Mm-hmm. That's going to be taken. I worked with a player once. He was maybe 26. Very good player. Borderline NBA player, but high-level player still. He sh- I thought he was an NBA talent, but kind of went up and down. But he was so good at protecting the ball all the time. Big guy, 6'9", 6'10". I asked him, how did you learn how to always protect the ball so well when you're jabbing and pivoting? He said, just experience. I got it stripped so many times when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Okay, so my job as a coach is to accelerate the learning process. Yes. Everyone's going to learn. If you, if you, have you watched, are you watching that show, The Bear? Uh, I have not, but I heard a great thing. Fucking about amazing. It. Yeah. So <laughs> season two is right up your alley. Season <laughs> one's about a kind of a war. The New York Times wrote about it. It's just a war in the kitchen. Season two is about building a team, building a championship team, including like references from Coach K's book. Like it's, oh. it's referencing, referencing Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan. Very good nice, stuff, Gerard. Nice. Uh, nice. But you, the, the the skill of scooping this and and putting this into the dessert, mm-hmm. uh, uh, it, everyone can learn it. The hard right. part is is figuring out what to make. The easy the easier part is to is is making it, but it takes a long time to figure it out. The job of a really good uh, chef as a coach makes it faster. Don't I don't want to take six months before I got it. I want to do six weeks or six days. All of us should be the same way. We all can learn to make layups. Can we teach them to make layups faster? So that's really our job. Uh, and then the player has to have urgency about it. Feel like I can get this. So in Jeremy's case, he's a little bit challenged because he's he's got talent at a lot of places. Sometimes you could be too talented. I think Lamar Odom was too talented. Uh, Very talented. Jeremy's different, but still too talented. And that's a good problem to have, by the way. A good problem <laughs> to have. But still, it's a problem. So what are you going to do? Are you going to try to be a, a facilitator like Draymond Green? Yeah, possibly. Uh, you can't shoot. Are you going to work on that also? It'd be good. What? How do you dominate offensively? How do you take away players defensively with the talent, length, and athleticism? You, he was in Santa. He was in Brooklyn for the draft, as you saw probably on that. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. cool. He's kind of invested in the team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd like to see him. I'd like to see him more focus on defense than offense. That doesn't mean you don't focus on offense too. But I want him to go to bed and wake up, think about defense. Think about defense. How can I help my? How can I be a better on-ball guy? How can I be a better off-ball helper? Um, I don't know if he's playing summer league. I don't think he is, but I could be wrong. Um, if he is, probably for a game or two. He played. What year is he? He just is going to year two. He's young. He should play, right? Um, I'm not a big believer in. Okay. Here's my thing. It's a great question. We'll get to summer league later. I know. Um, what are you playing for? To me, I mm. the first thing I, I had a player who started a lot of games last year who was told he was going to play summer league, his agent called me and I said, are you fucking kidding me? What, what is he playing for? So we pushed back on it. The team told us, well, we're changing our defense. We want him to be more acclimated. He's a key defensive player for us. Mm-hmm. And, and then I said to the agent, you know, cut him, cut him off after a couple of games. And they thought, the team's like, oh, that's great. All right, fine. What are our benchmarks? What are we trying to do here? In Jeremy's case, I don't think it's a challenge for him defensively. So I would say for summer league, if you played one or two games, can we get 25 points efficiently? How do we do it? Let's figure it out. Um, I think I may have told you once I talked to Scotty Barnes, pre-draft trainer. 
who 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 has a great he's a, he's a great coach named Ross McMains. Uh, he's with the Celtics now. Uh, he's with he was with the main Celtics this year. I said Ross. He told me a story of how he asked everyone to come up with a way to score twenty five points in a game. It took Scotty Barnes forever to do it, but that's a good exercise. And so, Jeremy, how, I want you to score twenty five. How are you going to do it? I, I have a player playing in summer league. He's very good. Uh, he's too good for summer league. He killed it last year. Uh, I said uh, maybe score forty. Okay. Mm. So we're gonna. I said you better bring ice to pack it up. But efficiently, yeah. Right? Course, always, I would never want my guys to take a bad shot. But if you know how to read the game, there's good shots everywhere in summer league because it's a mess. So this guy is smart. So I said, bring ice for your elbow because we're going to shoot that shit, right? Um, so yeah, so have a plan for Jeremy and offensively, but then for training camp, let's let's already be seen as a guy trending towards all all defensive team. Um, that would be really good for Jeremy. I love all of this where you're going because it leads perfectly into there's so much stuff you're saying about high hand contests yeah. and knowing your assignment, racing, not run, not running the floor, especially for rookies and young guys, right? Who are trying to get playing time. That's the right. Number one thing. Number one, for most coaches breaking the rotation. Right. If you can't, if you're not hustling and doing like you, you ain't going to play anyway. So master that stuff. So I love that you went there. Okay. So last summer without saying a name, I know you worked with an all NBA caliber player and Sometimes you work with rookies coming in or younger players. I know there's a difference, obviously, in learning capacity, speeds, what you're working on, but it's the same general approach, I imagine, for you, right? It's blocks that we're, that we're building to get to some desired end result. Let's walk us through the differences between working with an all-NBA yeah. caliber player yeah. and then, okay, I got to break the rotation, coach, what we're working on. Yeah. Here. So the all-NBA player um, has already figured out a lot of the game, and so we got we to... Gotta, try to enhance those skills a little bit because they're already pretty good. Um, for, in this case, we worked on kind of adding some things, adding more fakes to your game because I think you should get to the free throw line more. He got really good at that. Uh, be a little more deliberate as to where you want to get to on the court and then give him some skills how to get there with your hand or whatever. And then we had to build some counters to his favorite moves. And so that, and then, you know, work on threes and all of that. For rookies, it's, hey, kid, don't turn the ball over. <laughs> you know, stop dribbling to those areas of the court. You're going to lose the ball there. Uh, here's our better stance defensively. So is it like a PhD course at like kindergarten? Yeah, the way the way I've described it is uh, the reason why I stopped doing pre-draft myself is it's like teaching the same graduate school class every year. And then the reality is all these young players in pre-draft, it's not even graduate school class. It's ENC 101. You know, for I mean, I'm not kidding. I mean, it's never all. It's never been just everything's high level. I had a, a first team All American. This I'll, I can say his name now. He's a coach. His name is Chris Carowell. Chris played at Duke. McDonald's All American mm-hmm. at, at a Cardinal St. Ritter High School in St. Louis. Very very good player in high school. First team All American at Duke as a senior. He couldn't make left hand shots well, and he didn't take charges. Drafted I think in the 30s, maybe 33 or 34. Never made the league. Played in Europe for a while. He's been coaching with Coach K for a long time. Great guy. Uh, great. And I thought he was a hell of a player. I don't know why I didn't make it. I wasn't helping NBA players back then. I'd work him out in summer league and redraft, and then I'd never see him again. I, I, he's one of the reasons why I built the in-season business, because he should have mm-hmm. made it. But um, he, I was amazed he couldn't shoot his left hand and finish. He also couldn't shoot threes. But it, it, worked, it worked well at Duke. Duke's job is not to develop you for the NBA. It's to develop you to win games. 
That's Coach K's job. That's fine. I'm fine with that. So, yeah, it's much more basic. Uh, understanding terminology. I, I'll, I have a player right now who uh, is going for a two-way spot. He's been told, you're one of two guys we're looking at for a two-way. He's had a two-way before. He's played overseas. Uh, now he's going for a two-way again. We spoke last night after his first day, and we're going through the, the language of the offense. Yeah. Okay, here's, the, here's all everyone. They're all running the same actions. They all call it something different. So he, he calls me every day, and we walk through the language of the calls. Um, English isn't his first language. So we're trying That's to make sure right, we're trying to make sure he understands exactly what, what every everything is. And he thinks he has to make threes to make the, the team. I don't agree. And so mm. I'm helping him understand everything you're doing matters to not just the the three-point shot. That comes and goes. They believe you can be a good shooter. We'll see how you're growing that. It'd be it'd be nice to make threes. But if you don't do this other stuff, I don't think you'll make it either. That, I, oh my God, this is so interesting. I love this. And guys, you're getting really diving into Coach Thorpe's big basketball brain. So NBA terminology, right? That's one thing for sure. So that's something I know, although I don't know because I'm not familiar. You Maybe you would know. At, let's say, Overtime Elite, for instance, I imagine they're not using NBA terminology there. Um, I think that they're probably using some. I don't know, okay. whoever the coach is. But remember, too, even with NBA terminology, it, it could be unique to different teams. Yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah. The, the concepts are, are, are the same, but by the way, okay. the young guys don't even know the concept. So for example, I'll give an example. <laughs> so this is, this is the origin of this. I saw the Spurs beat the heat in the, in 2015, I think it was. And I noticed that San Antonio was doing a great job of, of catching on the move in their attack. And I thought it was because of the speed of Miami's defense. And that was something that remember pop had played them the year before too. Mm-hmm. So I, so I started calling that uh, Spurs action. So uh, you follow football more than I do now. Do you remember the West Coast offense? Yep. Yep. West Coast was short passes, but on mm-hmm. the move used to be, uh, except for like post patterns and fly patterns, you, people ran to spots. Yep. West Coast was on the move, put pressure on the defender to make the, the tackle. Right? And then if they yep. don't, like Jerry Rice, you keep going. Okay. Correct. So uh, I really adopted that. I saw the Spurs do what they did. I call this Spurs action. My son was in sixth grade when I did it. Not, uh, yeah, it's actually right around the same time. And um, uh, I really started getting movement, movement, movement all the time. And uh, it really made a difference, I thought, in, in, what, in what he was doing. And now they call it a go catch. Mm. So a go catch, I, I also have something called quick attack, which is stand okay. still catch quick, go. The go catch is Spurs action for me. Right. It's we're already moving when the ball is being thrown, mm-hmm. which means you have to lead your or your player yes. with the pass to, to force him to move. Throw him open. Yeah, throwing mm-hmm. him open and then they're racing and that puts mm-hmm. the defender in peril. Well, who knows? Most people call it a go catch now, uh, but some teams can call it something different. That's fine. But the concept is what's key. So, for example, I'll t- I teach all our players quick attack. I don't care what you call it in one of your 30 teams. You, when you catch it, you're immediately attacking, which is why we call it. Quick attack. It's attacking mm-hmm. quickly, right? A go catch, catch on the move, come out of the corner racing, already be running when they throw you the ball. They don't do that kind of stuff at that age typically. So you get them, grasp those concepts, understand the terminology at your place, and then start doing it or start defending it. Yeah. Um, the other thing you mentioned was this player said, well, I have to shoot threes. Is that because of the revolution of the three-point shot and how this prevalence now, is that something you feel like players are too focused on and they're like look i know it's important than it is but you got to work on this other stuff you won't even get in the rotation 
So I'm I don't like um, variables to be uh, uh, unanswered. I don't like questions. So I, I I don't typically like to deal with too many agents. I do like to deal with the players directly. There are some agents who I think are good people, and I'm happy to talk to them. Of course, uh, there's a lot a lot of them who are very good. Uh, whenever one of my guys has to go to summer league, I need benchmarks. What are we going for? What's our purpose? Mm-hmm. And then if we're going to make a spot, meaning we already have, we have, if you already have a contract, that's one thing. If we don't have a contract, what do we need to do? What, what is it offensive rebounding? Is it defensive rebounding? Is it five things, three things? If they don't mention three-point shooting, I'm not going to mention three-point shooting. Other than to say, take good shots and hold your form, all that kind of stuff. If shooting is everything, well, then we have to understand that. But I can't tell the player, you better make threes or else right. that's right. not going to help. So I'm a big believer in, Find ways to help your team win possessions. That's going to give you confidence, and that's going to help you shoot better, right? Also take good yeah. shots. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Shot selection is big. That's your big thing, right? Like it's hard to have success when you're not having success, mm-hmm. right? And one way you can have success is by helping them win possessions. Yeah. Set right? great screens, make the right cut, make the right read, use pass fakes. Um, there, there are some players, J.R. Smith comes to mind, Jordan Clarkson come to mind, who almost have no conscience as shooters. And, and I'm not even being <laughs> critical. It's funny, but I'm not being critical. Uh, it, it, we, we want our players to, to, to not worry about the other shit. Now, I prefer them not having 10 turnovers. <laughs> but those guys can have 10 turnovers and still shoot your lights out, right? right. They also can cl- shoot, the, shoot your own lights out because they can't miss, <laughs> make a shot. Um, yeah, most guys are a little more conscientious. And so we right, got to get right. them to understand that when you're making good, good plays all over the place, it gives you license to take the threes you're supposed to take anyway and and shoot with confidence. Yeah. No, it, this is listen, this is this is all fascinating and interesting. And I think it it gives people and fans out there a good lens to watch Summer League. Now, of course, you guys will not be privy to what benchmarks are for these players, right? But watch, watch when you watch your favorite team and watch these young guys, watch what they're doing well and not so well, right? And not just about scoring the ball, right? See what they're, you know, those things that David mentioned. Well, are they doing hand high contest? Right. Are they setting good scores? Are they arriving early to closeouts? Mm-hmm. Are they hustling to closeouts? Mm-hmm. They better be if they're trying to make a team. Uh, <laughs> are they making the extra pass? No, typically in summer league. Right. It's very bad basketball. Um, are they willing screeners or are they just kind of going through the motions? Mm-hmm. It, too many players do that. It's alarming to me that they do. Uh, my guys won't be doing that. But anyone that I'm helping, um, and I, I'm at a point now in my career, Gerard, where I kind of like coach the coaches wherever they go, including sometimes with their own teams. I'm happy mm-hmm. to say I know some assistant coaches and um, mentor them and mentoring my players, uh, the guys that I'm helping. And uh, we take pride in all those things. We take pride, for example, in accurate, hyper-accurate passes. Mm-hmm. Not just accurate, hyper-accurate, exactly where it needs to be. Uh, pr- uh, really reliable with the ball. Understand if you're a guard, you better know what your team, what your coach wants in every possession. Uh, all those little things really make a difference to me. Uh, don't don't allow. I always say a relentless rebounder. Don't allow yourself to be blocked out. Don't allow yourself to be blocked out. You have to recognize that um, he's in front of you, so go around him or spin mm-hmm. or fake one way, come the other. Like do something. And um, if you allow yourself to get blocked out, I think you're easier to cut personally. Yeah, no, for sure. And it's so interesting because you mentioned in your development that you said, go to sleep thinking about fakes, wake up thinking about fakes, right? Shot fakes, pass fakes, all it. Guys, I, 
if you watch the NBA Finals, you see it. Those things work all the time. You know Jimmy Butler. See a guy? Yes. I mean, it's like, right? He does. He lands in there, jump stop, looks like he's going up. Everybody's up in the air. Too late. Foul. Right? Like, it's, and these are the best defenders in the world, right? Best players in the world. Everyone, like, it's an amazing skill that if you have in your arsenal, because the key, coach, right, is to make it look like how your normal shot looks like. Yeah. So how am I supposed to know if it's a shot fake or not? Looks the same to me, right? So oh, here's a question. Defend- defensively, how do you coach someone right. when you know Jimmy shot fake coming? I talked to, a, a, for about 45 minutes this morning, I talked to a NBA coach who's now in college, uh, who's recruiting overseas. He's over uh, in, uh, uh, I think, Hungary for the under-19. And um, we talked about what he called impulse control. So he coached at a high level team, Division I, the Division I, NBA prospects. Guys get drafted every year from his team. And um, he's recruiting a player in the transfer portal now because you can still transfer mm-hmm. if your coach got fired yep. or uh, you're a grad transfer. Okay. Mm-hmm. The other guys can't. So he's got a guy that I, I don't know what his story is. Uh, well, I do know, but I just can't say. Um, but he has no impulse control. So he said he jumps for everything. <laughs> you can coach that up. Yeah, I like, I mean, better better to do that than the guy that won't challenge anything. Yeah. Right. Uh, they're puppies jumping at everything. <laughs> we always say puppy dogs are jumping. Hey, settle down. The, the game, the, the irony of the NBA is those guys play slower than anyone, and yet they're the, it's the fastest game. Yeah. Because they're reading yeah. everything all the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and they're taking advantage of everything. The the it's you're almost in you're almost hurt by being so quick if you have no impulse control. The guy mm-hmm. that's slow but has no impulse control, he's not going far. Jokic, Jokic is advantaged by not being able to jump. Number yeah. one, he may not yeah. jump as often to begin with, which is good, but right. he's landing on the floor faster. He's not way up in the air. The guys are way up in the air. You can watch him float by. You know. Well, this too that that you you might running of it. I'm thinking about NBA guys. This is early. Jaron Jackson Jr., right? Of course. Just like it's just everything. And it's like just tamp him down a little bit. It's like, oh, you tamp him down a little bit, defensive player of the year, right? It's like you just don't be know, the first to jump. The it. rule is don't be mm-hmm. the first to jump. Don't be the first to jump if uh defensively. Yeah. Let them do so it and react. Let them go first, and then you use your quick, your quick burst yeah. off. Yeah, that's why you want your up hands vertical. up. If you if your hands are down and you jump, it's too late. Too late. Our hands are already up, then you jump if you want to jump. Um, yeah. All those things, we're coaching all that stuff all the time. And it's, I mean, it, it seems, but it seems so, so like just, it makes common sense. I'm seven feet tall. Why wouldn't I have my hands up at all times? Right. So that way I don't have to jump. Um, like, I'm, telling you, I'm huge. These, Look, these keep my guys, hands up. <laughs> when they finally figure that out, arms wide, arms high, yeah. it's a game changer for them. But I, I think I've told this story once before. I had a player going back a couple of years. Uh, it was during the pandemic and um, he had been injured. He came back from injury. And one thing I noticed on film was very tall, very long guy. His hands are always down. And I told him, uh, we, I, I mean, I pounded in his brain for three months while he was just recovering. He wasn't playing. So he called me after his first practice and he said, his shoulders are so sore. And I said, did you guys do a different weight stuff? And he said, no, coach, I'm just so focused on hands up the whole time. He's like, I've never done that before. My shoulders are killing me. So yeah, good for you. Learn that. Better work on those deltoids, yeah, exactly. my guy. <laughs> That's the bit. What's the point of having a big wingspan if you don't have it? You don't use it. Yeah. Your arms are here. It is. It's beyond me. Like I think Oklahoma City called it uh, the stick hand stick when they hand had Durant. Right. Hand, yeah. Just yeah. you're just keep it up because that number one. Someone's got to think about that now. Great. I got seven feet in my face. Now I got to really think about what I'm going to do here. 
Right. It's just right. Yeah. Amazing. All right. Let's move to some on the uh, floor stuff in the league coach. Um, the Lakers, uh, Rob Palinka had a convert, uh, had some media availability recently. And he said basically about, you know, are you worried because all these teams in the West are like making moves to challenge Denver? And, you know, this typically happens after the champion is crowned, right? Everyone's kind of like, okay, what do we have to do to match up with this team? Happened when the Warriors were doing their thing. How do we stop? It's just, I don't know. It's just common reactionary behavior by teams. That's a team we have to go through. How do we get better in beating them? Whereas I think your thought process should be, how can we get as versatile as possible to be, play any different style of basketball? But that's neither here nor there. Um, so Polinka said, we want to try our hardest to keep this core of guys together and also improve around the edges and on the margins to not only get back to where we were last year, but hopefully take the next step and get to the NBA finals. And I was thinking about that. In the context of LeBron, because whenever a team LeBron is on, you have to think about LeBron. You know, this has been his MO since he's been in the league. He wants veteran guys, you know, old dudes who know how to play, right? Those types of things. But with young, mostly unproven guys last year, they did quite well. Do you think that if you're the Lakers, it's a wise bet to just come back, do the margin moves, but bring Austin Reeves, of course, who we like, Rui Hachimura, Vanderbilt, all in, just bring them back on the money they need to, to re-sign them and run it back again. And I asked specifically in the case of someone like Rui, who he was incredible in the playoffs last year, Coach, but that's the one sample size we've seen him shoot that well. I, I'm still not sold. That's who he is as a player all the time. Agreed. Yeah, I, I, I do think there's an argument that we, we can just improve in the margins. Um, because of how we finished the season, they, they, you know, after the terrible start, they were a much, mm-hmm. they were a good team. They were a very good, excellent team. defensive team. Yeah, an really excellent good. defensive team. Um, uh, LeBron's such a brilliant passer that if people get open more because of it, because he, everyone's a threat. Um, as long, I mean, the team's always going to be fallible because of their injury-prone stars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I don't, I wouldn't overpay Rui. Uh, he does have some offensive upside for sure. Yeah, he does. Uh, I think they can be really good again. They, they, they could. I think the, the biggest thing is what you just mentioned. We know it's pretty likely at some point next year, LeBron and or AD will be on the injured list for some stretch yeah. of time. And is the rest of that team good enough to weather that? Because I don't think they want to get in a scenario where they were last year, right? Which was playing. I mean, they should have lost the play into Minnesota, Minnesota, right? I mean, so... Do they want? They don't want to be back in that situation again, right? Where they're like, okay, we're the ten. Now we got to beat. That's a lot of work to get back, and then to do what? To get to the the conference finals and get swept by Denver? Now I know people want to argue, yeah, but the games were close. I'm like, look, I think Denver's considerably better than they are. Um, now will that continue going forward? I don't know. Denver's got its own issues to worry about. Bruce Brown at all, um, which well, know, probably not. That, that's not to be glossed over. Yeah, no, because it's huge. That's huge. That they only played basically seven dudes, and one of them mm-hmm. was Jeff Green. Mm-hmm. So losing Bruce Brown is a big deal. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I think they have to find a. I mean, the question is, if he gets four years and eighty somewhere else, it's like, well, Christian <laughs> Brown won't be as good as Bruce Brown next year. He will not. He will not. As good as he, he was, he could be good. As good as he could be good. He could be. He was terrible in the regular right. season. He was good mm-hmm. in the postseason, but it was a different role that he he was playing that yeah. he probably would play without Bruce. It, it, it's asking a lot, um, and that you know, again, that that goes back to. What you, what you do. It's the development, right? This is where all these teams are figuring out. Can we, and we'll get to this later when we talk about it some more, 
can we find enough guys to be net positive players who we don't pay a ton of money to? That is your goal, right? You're, you're, that's bonus wins. The teams that do have the most players that do that, because you know what, your, your your max guys are screwing up your cap, eating up all the money. So that is where it is, and you're locked into those. Do you have enough dudes who, wow, we only pay him $2 million, but he's plus six in bonus wins. That's how Memphis was so good last year, right? Because everybody was making way, little money and huge in bonus wins. We'll see. We'll see how these teams uh, think about it. Um, another team I want to look at, David, is the Atlanta Hawks. Um, two years ago, we wrote here at True Hoop that the Hawks, and this was coming off the year they went to the conference finals, um, they can win a title whenever they decide they're ready. And we were very high on that whole team. Trey, DeAndre Hunter, Kevin Herter, Bogdanovich, uh, Akonwu, Capella, John, John Con- I mean, we were like, we love this. Cam Reddish. Cam, Cam Reddish was on that. We love that team. We were like this. Since then, they've had a new co- another new coach, a whole new front office. John Collins is gone. Kevin Herter is gone. Um, Gallinari's gone. Um, we have some questions about every everything. We we think Trey Young's a problem in 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 many ways, right? In terms of can you build around him? Is he someone that's coachable? The DeAndre Hunter experience in terms of his development. I know development's not linear, but he hasn't made the progress that one would expect for where he is in his career and for what they've extended him for. And now no John Collins, which they clearly dumped just to just to dump salary, right? I, look, I, everybody's like, oh, they open up cap space. I'm like, cap space for what? Um, I don't know if they're making any moves. They did bring DeJounte Murray back uh, in a deal. But again, this is a team who, what are they, ninth? They didn't, no, they didn't even, did they make the play in last year? Yeah, they playing, did. Yeah. They did, they were playing. They lost to the Heat. Yeah, Miami beat them, yeah. Yes. Man, what are we doing in Atlanta? So uh, you're being very gracious about saying we <laughs> published. Well, you it know, was, listen, it was me. We're a team here. But it, but it was <laughs> me. Uh, and I thought that they had the construct to be NBA champions. And uh, it, things blew up pretty fast after that. Um, Cam Reddish stalled out, never really developed. And he, he wasn't playing for most of the time anyway. But we knew no. what kind of talent he had. Um, Tons. We have uh, Trey. Trey has his own, you know, so many issues with Trey. But there's no arguing what kind of passer and scoring can be. He did not shoot well last year. He didn't. I think Hunter is as much a story as anything because he's been injured. Mm-hmm. And, he, and they had to have him as that three. I thought he's the big wing. Right. And I thought John Collins could be moved. As I don't remember the article anymore, but. Like he, he was a piece that could, you know, someone else could use him if you didn't feel like you need him. Uh, Bogdanovich was hurt. He's back. And the, mm-hmm. he's back this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I looked at their roster today. Jalen Johnson's a super talented guy. They got late in the first mm-hmm. round. That was always considered a lottery pick. I don't remember where they drafted him, but he was considered like top five talent. He's talented. He's 21 years old. So they still, you know, Quinn, Quinn knows what he's doing. He does. I, they have I, a Kong I, I have not been a Quinn Snyder, Utah Jazz postseason series fan. I'm a big Quinn Snyder, Utah Jazz regular season fan and believe he'll get better in the postseason. And, and I'm sure if I talked to Quinn, he would tell me the reasons why they failed and it wasn't his fault. And I probably am wrong. I, I, the coach deserves some credit and blame. He definitely knows how to build a good team. They share the ball beautifully under his idea. Um, on his ideas that may not be how Trey likes to play best. So that's something to watch. Mm. 
something to really watch. But basically, that 48 minutes of him or Murray on the court. At all times. That's yep. a positive. 20, yep. 48 minutes of O'Connor Capella on the court all the time. That's a positive. They've got they've got the making still of a of a very good team. Yeah. I, I you know, the play in and again, that was about Trey and maybe Nate not seeing eye to eye. Hopefully not, not maybe. Oh well, yeah, not we like know it's we the, know, yeah. Yes, clearly we know. Not seeing eye to eye. Um, hopefully this is better. Uh, because look, this is it's time now for Young to start making that next that next leap up is right. It's part of that draft class. Everybody else in that draft. I mean, yes, he did go to a conference finals, but now we're looking back on it thinking, mm, how real was it? Right. Like in terms of your leadership, because remember that, that summer, that next year, he remember, he said, Oh, uh, you know, given what we accomplished last year, it's hard to get up for the regular. Season. I remember. And we're like, what do you mean? What you accomplished? You went to That's one conference sw- finals. Swing and a miss, Trey. Swing and a miss. It's like, what? This, you think this is an every year thing? This is like, what I was saying before about Jordan Poole. This is human struggle with success. Yes, they do. They do. It's hard. Um, the Bulls, they made a, a move yesterday. They extended uh, Nikola Vucevic three or $60 million. Um, and that 20 number is like, it's like a nice round number. <laughs> I think it, it like it works. It, it, I mean, I think the big thing is Bulls fans are saying, we didn't overpay, which they didn't. That's about right, I think, for him. Um, but the Bulls have other issues right now. Um, Lonzo Ball likely not playing again next season. And that's just sad Terrible. from a human standpoint. Uh, because, they, you know, all the jokes are flying about, oh, I love the him. Lakers were wrong. I, I thought he was a hell of a player. Like, defender, excellent passer, uh, can shoot the three. You know, like, just he, he, the ball doesn't stick with him, right? An excellent player to have on your on on, on your on your. I love, I love Lonzo Ball. And they had, a, they had a goal in their mind, right, with him and Alex Caruso. As your point of attack guards, oh man, that would be nice, right? And that's a big backcourt, six five. It depends, right? That's you like that, right? You stick that on ah. like. Uh, imagine that backcourt healthy. Stick them against the Cavaliers against Donovan Mitchell and Darius, and, Garland. Uh, Darius Garland, right? Problems for the Cavaliers, right? Because those guys are physical and long, right? But it looks like again, Lonzo will not be playing uh, next year. Um, they also have some free agents to worry about. Um, Io is a restricted free agent. Um, Patrick Beverly is an unrestricted free agent, and they have a choice to make about um, Pat Williams. Do they do they extend him? I believe he's up for his he, extension. Yeah, he's been three years in the league now. Yeah, got to um, October so, for that. Okay, so I mean, it's you know, I would think is, so. He won't. I, I he would won't imagine get a max he's seen enough. And he, yeah, I, I I don't know what his agent would do. Um, he may bet on bet on himself. But maybe not because the team's the team may struggle this year. Uh, Kobe White also a, a restricted right. free agent, and then okay, but you got Demar and, and and Zach Levine, and you know they're both excellent. So you know, I guess you'll you'll find a way to win forty games, right? That's what I was thinking. Because just because you you have those guys, you're gonna not gonna lose a ton because it's hard when those guys are cooking. You're gonna win a lot of you're gonna win a, your, your fair share of games. But this is a team not poised to do to do much, and I just wonder. What's the what's the ultimate game plan here? Where, where are we going? Is this rebuild time? Could be trade this... DeRozan, trade Zach Levine. Yeah, yeah. keep Pat Williams, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. yeah, that's. I think that's probably the. And then Vooch is movable. Yeah, yes, that's a, that's because and some team will need a big man at yeah. some point, as as yeah. they do every year. <clears throat> so David, the draft last week. I'm always looking at. You know, we talked about bonus wins just a little while ago. I'm looking at low risk. High upside, which I'm sure most GMs are, right? Particularly when you go late first into the second round. Because second round, especially, those contracts aren't guaranteed. 
Well, no, no. So the cap- they don't have to be guaranteed. They don't have to Some be guys will, f- f- very few will sign guaranteed deals. Yeah. So the Cavaliers made a bet and said, oh, Monty Bates. Let's, let's go after this kid. And that was an intriguing name for me, David, because I remember at one point in time, he was a number one player in his high school yeah. class. Um, and, you, and you know how it is. Anybody, anytime anybody sees a tall, skinny kid, what's the immediate comp? The Kevin, baby Kevin Durant. And it's like, why are you doing this to these kids? Like, this is like, stop it. Stop using that. It's disrespectful to Kevin Durant, number one, and it's not fair to the kids, right? Like putting that kind of pressure on them. Okay. He has a weird sort of end to his high school career. Not part of it's COVID, but still weird. He went to some like startup high school. Like it, all, all of it was just very odd. A lot of moving around, which I know moving around happens a ton, but this startup high school that his dad started, it just seems strange. Then it was Memphis then Eastern Michigan. And the reason why is he had some uh, a problem with a gun, you know, which we don't love. But, you know, the Cavs said, look, low risk, right? If we don't like him, just cut him. But this guy was number one in his class at some point. We like some things we see. You've watched tape of Amani Bates. Um, what do you think? Well, first of all, talk, talk to us about his problems and then on the, on the floor. And then what could happen if he's incubated properly? I mean, the metrics are what they are. The physical metrics. He's mm-hmm. tall, 6'9-ish six, six, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, uh, for a guard. Pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, can't shoot, but isn't a terrible shooter. But he's not an athlete, and he's short-armed. Mm. The NBA had him maybe plus one. Um, his, his stand, he's not short-armed. He's, he's slender. So mm-hmm. his wingspan, what will in before the NBA measured him, he had a negative wingspan, which mm. means wingspan is shorter than your height. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's T-Rex. Right, that's not that's, good. That's what we always say, <laughs> T-Rex arms. That's not <laughs> what the NBA reported. They had him like, if I remember, I was plus one. But his standing reach was good, eight foot nine. That's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, that means he's just shoulder, his shoulders are narrow. I don't really care about that so much. But he's not much of an athlete. Mm. So the only way to make it is to be a really skilled ball handler shooter, sniper, right? Uh, may, maybe he'll be that, but he hasn't been yet. It hasn't worked out for him yet. So I think Cleveland took a gamble that, hey, we can light this guy up and have him score a 16 a game in summer league and 18 a game maybe and – Maybe in year two or year three for us, he's. I mean, Ben Ben Matherin scored sixteen a game as a rookie. I think it was. Yeah. So um, maybe that's what they're thinking. And, and hopefully he finds some maturity, which clearly he needs to, right? At nineteen, and maybe he uh-huh. has. But also, they're not as worried about defense because uh, Mobley and Jared Allen. Well, <laughs> it helps when you have two seven footers that are really yeah. good defensively, and maybe they also hope Donovan Mitchell kind of mentor for him a little bit. Like, listen, buddy, here's how you be a professional. Darius Garland too. Right, what have we ever right. heard negative about Darius Garland? Nothing. I like him. And Darius, Darius Garland, son of a, a pro also. Yeah, um, I like pro, those pro guys. Player as well. I like those yeah. guys a lot. Here's how you be a professional, my man. And I think, you know, David, I know coaching for you is important. And we don't love the idea of, you know, you bring vets in to coach players, right? But I think there is some value in a veteran and good veterans who know how to be professional, you know, showing through example and teaching kids, this is how you be a professional athlete right? Come to work on time, right? Things that we think are commonplace and everybody just knows, oh, you come to work on time. I don't know. It's not all these kids Uh, know that. Raising our children, uh, my wife and I took the approach of if if there's 7,000 things that our kids need to learn, really learn, I'm making up the number, let's say 7,000. Well, we could try to teach them all 7,000. 
they're, they're not going to learn everything the first time you tell them. So we want to surround them with people that will be saying similar things to us as often as possible. And then we can keep checking those, those 7,000 lists off. It's no different than this. So uh, you could tell a player, show up early, stay late, whatever, uh, all you want. But when they see it, it becomes habitual. You can tell them, probably not a good idea. No, definitely not a good idea to get McDonald's <laughs> after every practice. <laughs> right, right. But when they see veterans doing the right, right. thing, uh, mm-hmm. when going out, I had, I had a player tell me this year, a rookie, he promised me he does drink some. But his point was, uh, I, I was concerned that he was not finding joy in his life. Mm-hmm. And the, the game can be too grinding that way and, and get dark. Mm-hmm. And the world gets dark. And his, it was his way of saying to me, Coach, I do let my hair down some. Maybe I should do more. Mm-hmm. I, have to, I, I have to find a way to enjoy life better. Yeah. But um, the veteran, the, the, there are some veterans, you, you see it in movies and stuff too, where yeah. – They'll know when to put the music on or, hey, let's go out. Let's just tie one on or whatever. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like I'm listen, I'm 58 years old. There's been times in my life with my wife of 30 plus years now where I'm like, let's just drink a couple bottles of wine, order some pizza. You know, it's, it's yeah, been a yeah, week. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. For sure. Now, it's big talk. We normally don't get past the first <laughs> bottle. I can't tell you the last time we drank two bottles in a night. I really can't. I can tell you what I've had too much booze. Um, but yeah, not drinking wine too much, but like they're adults, not the 19 year olds. I'm talking about the NBA. Those guys have to find other joys. Right. Yeah, Um, for sure. And veterans can help with that. Just now here's when to be serious. Here's, we can relax Mm -hmm. a little bit. Mm -hmm. The coaches can't teach everything. Right. And so I do, I think it's great to have a great veteran presence when, um, Mm -hmm. the Pacers cut, uh, oh my goodness. Who's the, who's the player? James Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw him. I know the players love James Johnson. Um, I saw him at the game after he got cut, watching the game, like in the front row behind the basket. Right away, I texted one of the players. I'm like, oh, he's coming back. Like, they're <laughs> bringing him back. They just needed yeah. to cut him for whatever reason, which they did. They brought him back the next they recognize, day. They recognize he, the value. He brings something to the table. And some rookies told me, like, he was key for us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, it, 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 it's so important. Um, so obviously there, there's a new CBA that everybody knows about, but it, the actual articles of that CBA finally got into the hands of the teams yesterday. All that stuff we've been, we've been talking about and hearing about, the luxury tax, second tax saver and all that, that's just stuff that's been leaked out about it. Now the official full 400 pages, however long it is, finally went out to all the teams. By the way, good luck to all those front offices now having to rack their brains, understanding all the ins and outs of those things. Well, that's why they pay you guys big bucks. So enjoy. Um, but David, it's very clear the league parity is what they're driving towards with all of these decisions around team building. That's what they seem to like. Um, we called it, you called it at the beginning of the season. You're like, mm, about 10 or 12 teams already on the championship bus. A- anybody can win. And we Denver was one of the teams on the bus to start the season. Uh, but that, And I think that's where the league hopes it's going. Um, it's going to be harder now for teams to get that dynastic run going and keeping yeah. uh, a bunch of, or a bunch, two to three max player guys on, 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 a, on a team, in addition to your 15 and $20 million role players, you just, you won't be able to do it. And we know these owners, they don't like paying luxury tax. So most of them are going to find a way to get out of that. Um, yeah. And I, 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 well, cause you know, they're cheap. <laughs> it, it, I thought it was just interesting because now more than ever, and again, true who, 
I'm not saying it's because because I work here and whatever, but we're prescient about this stuff and we we read the tea leaves, right? Henry and Stephen Alardi came up with bonus wins last year or two years ago. Last year. And bonus wins now more than ever. That is what it's going to be. So GMs and player development uh, personnel, they're going to have to basically do their jobs and do it well, right? Where can we find the talent that we're not paying 10, 12, 15, 18, $20 million to? They're under team-friendly deals, two to five, yet they're producing like someone who makes that kind of money. That was Bruce Brown in the playoffs last year. That was all the Memphis Grizzlies. These are all these various guys who can do that. And this is this is this is the job, right? This is the job right now. And you know, you look at a team like Phoenix, where how the hell are you going to find bonus wins? <laughs> you know, and because you you need all bonus wins because you're through those three guys or well, four guys, not even three, four. Those four guys are taking up your entire salary cap. That's it. So everyone's on minimums and whatever. So it can't just be old dudes. You're going to have to play young guys who are going to fuck up and make mistakes, but you got to find a way to coach them up right and, you know, figure out how to, okay, yeah, we can lean on these guys come the postseason. You got to teach them like crazy and you got to have a good voice about it and you got to be relentless about it, but not, but not be overbearing. Um, the teams that figure this component out the next five to 10 years mm-hmm. are going to be the teams that win yep. most frequently, no matter who their star is, mm-hmm. because they're going to get the other things solved and they're going to be able yep. to. Pencil in guys uh, at, at smaller money that produce big dividends. Yeah. No, I think the part you made about the, the star, whatever the star player is, I think is right. So I look at a team like Milwaukee, right? That's the situation they're facing right now. So Middleton opts out. The idea is he's coming back. What do they do about Brooke Lopez, right? Very critical to what they do, <sighs> but he's going to want 18. I mean, he actually should probably get 20. He should get Vooch money, right? But that's going to screw them up. For the rest of the roster, right? So it's okay. Can we find someone that can approximate that, but be better in spots seven through nine? I don't know. Can you? Like, you trust Bobby Portis to be like, these are the questions they have to answer and figure out. Again, this is where GMs are going to make their money. The the Warriors are in a similar situation, right? They're jettisoning their young guys. So I think for for them. So they got Kaminga Moody still. The Kaminga Moody still. Those two to me are the key because they were both lottery picks, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. If those guys can produce like how we think they because they have, and you agree, they have tremendous talent. If they can start giving that bonus win situation, well, now you're cooking with gas because they're on team-friendly deals and they're under 23. For two more years. So, so you can really, now you're talking. Yeah. You know, but that's about development and you, you guys got to coach them up right. And in, particularly in that system, which is not like anybody else's system, right? That's a, seemingly a hard system to learn. A lot, of reads, the, a lot of reads, right. a lot of skill required, patience required. Um, they, there's no other option. They, they can't afford anything else. No, yeah. This is, this is the reality. So, you know, as you guys are watching your teams and rooting for it, pay attention to those margin moves, right? Like, if you're getting a, if they're getting rid of a player, a veteran, a name you know, and it's some undrafted or rookie or some player from Europe that's young, don't automatically poo-poo it. Start thinking, okay, hmm, who could this play? What, what can this player be for us? There's a reason, right? We're trying to win on the margin here. Can they be someone who sells a bonus wins? I'm not saying they will. That's up to your team to figure it out, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, we started the show talking about summer league and development. And I know, David, you, you mentioned a lot of great stuff about summer league basketball is bad, but if you have to go, there are benchmarks and things that you should be looking for. Go with a plan. There's, that's David's always thing. You never go into any situation with no plan or else what, what the fuck are we doing here? Like, let's figure out, oh, 30 points? Great. We're doing 30 points efficiently. 
two, two games in a row. Let me see you do it. Show me how. And I bet for you, when the players come back, you have grades on their 30 points, right? It's like, oh, well, that shot you took in the third quarter, five-minute mark, eh, not a great shot. Like You made it, but, right? I imagine you have that kind of detail when you talk to your guys. Yeah, we definitely focus on process, not result. Yeah, there's no question of that. If, uh, if you made the right play, uh, uh, what does Sean Connery say in um, The Untouchables, where uh, if you did your job, you go home and sleep well at night. You did your job. Uh, the bad guy want to shoot you. You shot him first. You did your job. You go home and sleep well. <laughs> if you took good shots and didn't go in, you did. You, this is the game. You made the shot, and you, it was a bad. It was a bad shot. That's going to be a problem long term, probably. Mm-hmm. Very few guys can make those shots. How are you racing the court? Uh, you know all those things. Summer league is such a selfish. They're so worried about mm-hmm. running the offense, and the coaches overcoach like crazy. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it's bad basketball. So I really well, is it is it competing interest, David? Like coaches yes. like want to showcase I'm really good as a, I could be a head yes. coach, and then players are like I have to score thirty to get my next deal. Or yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's exactly what it is. And and they don't know each other very well. The coaches don't know the players. The players don't really know each other very well. Um, they pretend to, but they don't. They try, um, and they don't go in with the plan too often. So it's bad basketball. But we can see things. Um, I would never jump to conclusions about summer league, but if a player is <laughs> no, nobody ever does that. Yeah. That never if happens. If a player is overwhelmed physically, that's a problem. If he's overwhelming physically, that's a good thing. And so these are these are things to, that I like to look at and see how they're doing. See what players. I mean, some of these guys in second and third year, they've not played since April. So let's see if they've made a jump. How's their shot look? How's their fitness level? How's their handle? You know, we can see some of those things. That's that's amazing. Imagine you hadn't played since April, since April, and nothing about your games improved for summer league. That's a problem. That's a problem. right. Like that's the way it'll be for a lot of players. You, you, what did you say? You're gonna you're going to Poland, buddy, or, or, or wherever. Or worse. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of Europeans that come. I've, one one of my issues with going to summer league, which I'll be there for some days this summer, is uh, I've just been doing this a long time. I'm an old man, so I know a lot of people now, and I don't want. I, I love my friends, but I just want to focus on the games. <laughs> And, and I'm really, th- I, I told my wife, I'm thinking about doing a uh, costume. I was going to wait. You know, maybe think of the, when we're Bobby Valentine's manager of the Mets and he got kicked out of a game oh, and he came back with like a mustache I, right, and glasses right. and shit. I'm not doing the mustache. I'll be laughed at in Nevada. But I, I mean, I'll do not. I won't do anything. But um, I did think about it. I did think about it. I just want to sit. And, unfortunately, I think there's two different venues. Yeah. There's two different venues yeah. in the same arena. Mm-hmm. That sucks for me because I, I've, I've already got my whole calendar laid out for the games I want to go. And so often I'll be at one game that I got to walk to the other. I can't just sit in one corner because if I could, I would. I hide <laughs> in one corner. The people that I want to see, I'll text, hey, come over here. Right, right, right. Um, but, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing some people. There's the best Thai restaurant in America Ooh. called Lotus of Siam. I'll go there okay. one night. I haven't okay. decided. I think maybe I did decide who I'm taking. Um, one, <laughs> one guy that I mentor, I want to bring yeah. this. All, all, all our friends listen to this podcast. We're like, Oh man, or he's not taking me to that restaurant. Fuck. Yeah. No, it ain't you. No. And don't be, don't be following him around to arenas. Don't know. None of that. No. If he wants to see you, I he'll told see them, you. I told all my friends like, Hey, here's what I'm doing. Um, but I'm really happy to tell you that some players have asked, can we just watch games with you? Oh yeah. I want to watch with 20 year olds. What are you seeing? And, they, and they're playing in the event. Mm-hmm. So they might even mm-hmm. know some of the guys that have played against the game before, whatever. That I'm looking forward to. Kind of keeps me young a little bit. They're my kids' age. Most of these young summer league <laughs> players are my kids' age. So that, that you know, I like that. And um, 
I'll see uh, Larry Kuhn does a big um, mm. sports management thing. I'm speaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I'm actually good. doing, I think I'm doing an hour long lunch with four young people that want to get better at player development. So it's 15 okay. minutes each. Mm-hmm. Um, he just booked that with me. And so, and then our friend Steve Shenbaum is, is oh, he's gonna be there okay. at this event. So I'll go Very see nice. him. I hope. The problem is there's games going all the time. So yeah, I'll be at these games a lot and I'll be walking outside <laughs> in 110 degree weather. Well, listen, you're you live in Florida. You're already used to oh, it. It's different. You, I'm actually looking forward to the, the heat, <laughs> not the humidity. I can handle the heat just fine. Humidity, I can handle anything. You get through the swamps of Florida, nothing's bothering that, me. No, nothing true. in the warm side anyway. I don't love blizzards. <laughs> No. Well, we even have one up here in a little bit, but you know, they're not, they're, fun. They're not fun. I've driven through they're, some. They're, they're, not fun. they're definitely not fun. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, all right, everybody. Enjoy free agency. Um, you know, don't freak out if your team doesn't sign who you want. Like, it's fine. It's all, everything is all fine in the end. Teams are going to do what they do. Um, and stay tuned. We will be back next week uh, with some recaps and I'm sure some, some great insight from Coach and all of us. Take care. <laughs>